this afternoon we are going to be considering Baptist Catechism questions one and two. Uh, question one asks, who is the first and chiefest being? The answer, God is the first and chiefest being. And question two asks, ought everyone to believe there is a God? Answer, everyone ought to believe there is a God, and it is their great sin and folly who do not. Uh, some of the children are thinking to themselves, Whew, finally a nice brief uh, answer to the catechism question. You know, two brief answers. Brief but very important. And I would like to read now Isaiah 44, 6 through 8 for our sermon text this afternoon. Isaiah 44, 6, hear now the reading of God's holy word. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. I have told you from of old and declared it, and you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. You will notice that we've come now full circle back to the beginning of our catechism. Our catechism provides us with a faithful summary of the core tenets of the Christian faith that are found in the pages of Holy Scripture. And so it should be no surprise that our catechism begins with the most foundational tenets of the Christian faith. When learning to read, one must start with the ABCs. And when learning math, one must learn how to count and then to add 1 plus 1 and when learning the great doctrines of the Christian faith, one must begin with the most foundational principles of religion. And that is where our catechism begins, with the most basic questions possible. Question one asks, who is the first and chiefest being? Again, the answer is, is very brief, but very important. God is the first and chiefest being. When we say that God is the first being, what do we mean by that? We actually mean many things. God is the first of all beings because He was before all others. He existed before all others. Listen to Isaiah 44, 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. You've heard God called the Alpha and the Omega. He is the first and the last, the beginning the end. He is the first of all beings because He was before all others. Did anyone exist before God? We say no. God uh, was the first to exist. In fact, He has existed for all eternity. God is also the first cause of all beings. All other beings were brought into existence by Him and for Him. So if we think of angels, we must confess that God existed before the angels. In fact, He is the source of the angels. Those angelic beings exist only because God has brought them into existence. And the same may be said of human beings. All human beings exist only because God has brought them into existence. God is the first cause of all beings. God is also the first in providence. This means He is the one who upholds the world. He's the one that keeps everything going. He's the sustainer of all things. Indeed, just as the Apostle Paul has said, in Him we live and move 
and have our being, for we are indeed his offspring. So God is first in that he is the one who upholds all things. God is also first in the world of grace. If we talk about grace, if we talk about the grace of salvation, we must say that God is first in this regard too. He is the source of every blessing that is ours in Christ Jesus. All this is from God, who who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is 2 Corinthians 5.18. So he's also the first in this regard. God is the first to love. We love because he first loved us. He is the first to give. Romans 11.35 says, Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid. And so God is first in many ways. He is first in all of these ways that I have just mentioned and others too. What do we mean when we say that God is the chiefest? That is not a word that we use very often, is it? God is the first and he is also uh, the chiefest of beings. Um, This little uh, statement that God is uh, the chiefest of beings means that God is supreme. No one outranks him. He is the highest. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Is what Exodus 15.11 says, a passage that we have considered in our study of the book of Exodus not too long ago. So he is the chiefest in that he is supreme. No one outranks him. He is above all of the so-called gods. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. We know that the scriptures refer to other gods, but when the scriptures refer to other gods, they're referring to those gods that men have made for themselves. They are not really gods. God is chiefest. He is, he is above them. God is chief in heaven. Listen to Psalm 89, 6-8. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord, a God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him? O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you. So he is chief even in the heavenly realm and he is certainly chief on earth. Psalm 97:9 says, "For you, O Lord, are most high over all the earth." We must confess that God alone is chief and that he shares his supremacy with no one at all. Psalm 57.2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And we must also confess that God will forever maintain his supremacy. Listen to Psalm 92.6-8. The language here might be a little bit surprising to you. It says, the stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. You, O Lord, are on high forever. These are helpful observations, aren't they? Um, I believe I took some of these observations from a little commentary on the Baptist Catechism by a man named Benjamin Bedom. I find them very helpful. We say that God is first, and He is first in many respects. We say that He is chiefest, and He is chiefest in, in many ways. And I would like for you to see along with me this morning, that, or this afternoon rather, that these truths, as simple as they are, 
they're very important. We must start here when we begin to talk about the Christian faith with these most fundamental things by acknowledging that God is the first being and by acknowledging that He is also the chiefest being. Uh, These truths kind of change everything, don't they? They set our lives on the right path, on the right trajectory. Question two of our catechism then asks, ought everyone to believe there is a God? And the answer is that everyone ought to believe there is a God and it is their great sin and folly who do not. Of course, our catechism, uh, just like the scriptures, will have a lot more to say regarding what men should believe about God, you know, Should we just believe that He exists? Is that enough? Uh, No, we must also believe the right things about God. We must also know who He is, what He is like. Um, Our catechism will also go on to teach us that we must put our faith in Jesus Christ if we are to know God truly now that we are fallen into sin. So it is not enough just to believe that God exists. We need to know God truly. We also need to know Christ the Savior if we hope to be in a right relationship with God. But we start here with the declaration that men ought to believe that God exists. In fact, our catechism adds, it is their great sin and folly who do not. It is a great sin to disbelieve that God exists. It is, in fact, great folly. You've probably heard this scripture before, Psalm 14, verse 1, which says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So this is the essence of foolishness. The the fool is the one who says in his heart, there is no God. Isn't that interesting? There are a lot of smart people who say there is no God. People who have great intellectual power. They can memorize lots of things, you know. But what do the scriptures say about that person who says in their heart there is no God? That person, as smart as they may be, as intelligent as they may be, they do not have wisdom, do they? They are, in fact, fools. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That decision to say there is no God is a foolish decision. In fact, it leads the whole of life on a a bad path, on a foolish path. In order to please God, it is first required to believe that He exists. That is what Hebrews 11.6 says. And without faith, it is impossible to please Him For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So we must begin here with a belief in the existence of God. Everyone ought to believe that there is a God. It's a great sin, great folly to not. Disbelief in the existence of God opens the door to all manner of immorality. Psalm 14.1 goes on to say, after saying the fool says in his heart there is no God, they are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. So make this connection. Disbelief in the existence of God, failing to believe in the existence of God is going to lead to all manner of abominable abominable deeds and corruption. I hope you can see why that is so. If you decide in your mind and heart that there is no God, then you are going to live as if there is no God. You're going to live for yourself and for this world and for the pleasures of this world. You not, will not live uh, being mindful of the glory of God or being concerned with obedience to God and His moral law. Uh, the one thing leads to all manner of immorality. So then belief in the existence of God is foundational to all practical religion. It's such a simple question and answer that we are here considering, both questions one and two, and yet these are 
foundational principles to the Christian religion. Romans 10.14 says, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? So if we are to call upon God through faith in Jesus Christ, we must first believe that He exists. It should be clear to all that these questions and answers are the most foundational questions that a person could ask. What we say in response to these questions will have a tremendous impact upon the whole trajectory of our life here on earth. You know, you only have one life to live, friends. You have one life to live, only so much time here on earth, and you're going to have to decide how to spend it. How will I live? What will I live for? as I live my life here on earth? It's such an important question to ask. And whether or not you believe in the existence of God is going to have a tremendous impact upon the whole course of your life here on earth. And what we say in response to these questions regarding the existence of God will have a tremendous impact upon our eternal destiny as well. These fundamental questions might seem like they are below those who have been in the faith for a while, but I would challenge you to think otherwise. Even if you've been in the faith for a long time, and even though you've believed in the existence of God for a very long time, I would encourage you to go home this afternoon and to think even about Baptist Catechism's questions one and two. Um, Who is the first and chiefest being? Uh, It is right even for those who are seasoned believers to remind themselves that God is the first and chiefest being, and that it is right for all men to believe that he exists. Uh, Brothers and sisters, I might ask you, even those of you who are seasoned believers, is the Lord first in your thoughts and first in your esteem? Have you given yourself first unto him? Is the Lord chiefly loved by you? Is he chiefly feared by you? He should be. For he is the first and chiefest of beings. We as his people must honor him as such. Deuteronomy 10.12 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Happy are those who worship God supremely, for he is worthy and it is right. Let's bow together now for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you would help us all to believe that you exist and to see that you are the first and chiefest of beings. Help us all to honor you as such, young and old. I pray that we would live all the days of our lives in light of this most fundamental truth. Of course, we know that other things must be believed too. For we, as a human race, have fallen into sin and are in need of a Savior. And so help us to believe that you exist. Help us to know that we need a Savior. Help us to know that he is Christ Jesus the Lord. Help us to come to you through faith in him. And then to live all the the days of our life for your glory, honor, and praise. Have mercy upon us, O God. Help us to live life in this world well, in a way that counts. Help us to begin here. In Christ's name that we pray, amen.